With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Washington Bullets select Tyrone Bogues. Tyrone Bogues, who's from the Washington area, Dunbar High School, is going to be loved by the fans there. He is now the shortest player in the NBA. It's 6'8", working against the 5'3.5-inch Muggsy Bogues. He takes it from him. What a play. Blood all the way to the base. 10-foot jumper. Smith is open underneath. He found them. And the crowd loves it. Boom. A big try. This time again. At least you guys are still tall. I'm nothing now. Just another short guy. You got that right. Basketball is supposed to be a big man's game, but Tyrone Muggsy Bogues has spent years proving that kind of thinking is short-sighted. to another episode of That's a Wrap Podcast. I am your co-host, Jay. I'm joined by my co-host, Dre. What's up, buddy? I'm doing extremely well. How are you? Uh, Can't complain because you and I both know we've got a very, very special episode for all of you listeners today. This is just a reminder that That's a Wrap Podcast is a podcast by Raptors fans 
for Raptors fans. You know, Dre, typically when we have guests on this show, we'll say something to the effect of, oh, this person needs no introduction. But I beg to differ because as amazing as it is to be known as a city's legend, let's think about Kyle Lowry as a Raptors legend. Reggie Miller is a Pacers legend. Imagine being a legend of basketball in general. And that is what we have gracing us with his presence today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Muggsy Bogues. Welcome to the show, Muggsy. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm fine, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and the, one of the reasons we've we've got you on the show today is you've got a book coming out. Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball, coming out April 12th, which is coming up. You know, tell us a bit about this. I mean, how did this how did this autobiography come about? And yeah, we're we're interested to know. Uh, well, it was it started um, a couple years ago, and mainly just kind of rethinking some things that happened in my life. Um, I already had put out a book um, early on mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety four in the land of giants, and that was yep. that was the beginning of my career. Um, and the reason behind that one was my father had just passed. And then my best friend had passed a week later and Reggie, one one of my best friends and Reggie Lewis, the late Reggie Lewis. So, and when they came and approached me to uh, to do it, and of course I was eager to do it, to share my background, a lot of things that I've been through uh, in that regards. But this one is totally different. I mean, I had a little time to live a little um, (laughs) in terms of uh, going through, you know, in terms of the NBA as well as on and off the court. This is was something very special. Me and Jake Udy, uh, the co-author, helped me create this opportunity. We just wanted to try to put it, give the opportunity, give the world a more sense of, you know, truly behind the scene who I really am and what allowed me to become the person that I am. Um, and this book mainly is something more of a, someone having a passion, you know, and they're having a passion and they're just chasing it each and every day. It's also about you know, giving back to the community, relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a heartfelt book. Um, some of the impact that I had on some of my, you know, colleagues playing as well as some uh, kids that's playing in the NBA. Well, I don't want to say kids. Some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some players that's playing today and in, in, in the likes of the Stephen Currys and the Chris Paul and those guys. So I just wanted to kind of reintroduce myself to the to some of the, the parents, the kids, because it's a it's a heartfelt uh, book, and I think you get a lot from it. I feel like you know you brought up some current uh, players like Chris Ball, and I feel like so much of uh, you know these types of playing styles, uh, you know, I feel like do come from how you played, and you know, you could say that perhaps you were at least one of their influences. Uh, who mentored you when you were first starting out, or even when it comes to your post career, when it comes to like? you know, all of your charitable events. So, you know, who would you consider your mentors or influences? Well, you know, growing up, it was my mom. It was hard to pick an individual playing basketball in the NBA because no one really fit my style. I mean, fit my my, my, my stature. When I looked at Tiny Archibald, you know, they, Tiny was 6'1". <laughs> so he didn't want so he wasn't too tiny to me. Uh, but it, it, it was a gentleman in my neighborhood by the name of Dwayne Wood who had to be small and stature and the way he played the game. So that, that inspired me in that regards. Um, as far as giving back to the community and mentoring, uh, being mentored in that way, it's no one specific. 
Um, but it's all it, it stems from again from my mom's in terms of her messaging. Um, anytime you know you have an opportunity to make someone else's life better, then we ought to do that. Uh, where we came from, we wasn't fortunate, you know, well off in all those aspects of life, but we felt like we had love within that household, and that really carried me a long way. And I always felt like if I'm ever in a position, you know, to be able to help someone else, I'm gonna be able to. Uh, I would like to do that. It, it, you know, it comes out in this, in this book so eloquently, right? That how many lives you've touched, and you know, even just at the beginning, right? If you think about the forewords were were by, by Steph Curry and Alonzo Mourning, I, I was wondering, you know, they both had some very interesting things to say about you and, and the influence that you had on their lives. Was there anyone else that you considered for the forward? Uh, was it always going to be those two? Uh, like, how did that come about? Uh, no, I mean. It it just kind of came down to that. Those two guys. I mean, it is. I mean, we probably could have had someone else as well. Um, and you know, we could have selected, but you know, Stephen and Lonzo. I mean, what they've done with their careers, and and I'm so thankful and grateful they was willing to, to talk about the influence that I had on their lives. So it just kind of worked out in that regards. I feel like. Um... You know, because you're talking about uh, legacies and how everything comes together. I feel like when you were a Toronto Raptor, um, it was still, you know, pretty early on in the franchise's duration. Uh, We were still figuring everything out. Um, You know, obviously there was the Fitz Carter era, but there was also the Air Canada Centre. Now, I feel like, you know, with, with this establishment of the Raptors franchise, you know, this the stopping grounds, what was it like to be a part of of that early era of the Air Canada Centre, the Toronto Raptors, and, you know, just seeing these Torontonians just losing their marbles over this uh, <laughs> still fresh franchise. Yeah, that, that is so true. I mean, it kind of, when we first, when I first got to Toronto, even though they came in in 95, um, that 99, 2000 year was, I think, the beginning of something that they created um going forward, the culture-wise anyway, winning programs, um, winning tradition, um, being the first team to make that playoff. It reminded me back when I started in Charlotte, um, when we had so many electrifying fans who were just so anxious for the franchise to be successful. And early on, we didn't have that same, that we, you know, it seemed like we traveled the same path that the Raptors did early on before we made the playoff. Um, we came in in 88, and then they didn't make the playoff until 93. And, you know, same with the Raptors. They came in in 95 and then made the playoff in 2000. So I thought the process was similar. Um, but just seeing the, the joy of the fans, the way they embraced us, how, how, how proud they were of us in terms of being able to, to give them that experience of having the first opportunity to make that playoff. And, of course, they've been special ever since, I should say. I mean, the guys went on and won a championship in 2019. They've always been very supportive. I've always loved the fans of Toronto because they really appreciate the hard work that you put in and they really, you know, embrace you, you know, wholeheartedly. Yeah. And, you know, you, you referenced the, the championship and I, I wasn't going to ask you about it, but, you know, since you bring it up, I, where, where were you when, when that championship occurred? Were you, were you in the city? Like, because there's, there must have been a feeling of, belonging right I mean being a former player on the team 
you got to feel like you're you're part of it somehow. It, what was that like during that championship season for you? Oh, it was awesome. I was at game was that game five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the introduction. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was at. So it was, a, it was just awesome, just to be in that space and seeing everybody out in Jurassic Park. I mean, the whole town just being electrified and being so proud of the organization and the team within itself. Um, just to see the spirit, and you know, and it, it was surreal for me. You know, seeing all those people out there just cheering on. It was basketball, not hockey, and, and that was the beautiful thing about it. You know because they already had that experience of celebrating the hockey championship or, uh, with the Maple Leafs and those guys. And just have an opportunity for the basketball team and organization to have that same experience. It, it was it was remarkable. And I just was grateful to be a part of it. And uh, speaking of the championship and what you were a part of, uh, I was completely nonplussed. I'll never forget when, because, uh, you know, the, the Raptors do these GoDaddy campaigns and you actually had that Raptors tale book, which uh, my girlfriend actually <laughs> bought for me. And again, I was like so, so psyched about it. And you ended your career with the Raptors. To see it come full circle like this was, uh, you know, it wasn't even just fascinating. It was almost like really touching. What was it like to be able to, you know, be a part of it in, in any way. Yeah, I mean, the key word was touching. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, just to see, you know, how much Masai have put that puzzle together. And with everything that was going on with the road with, with DeMar, and, you know, it, one of the saddest things that, you know, pretty much happened in the Raptors organization to getting rid of DeMar because what he meant to that organization, to the community, um, to the fan base, um, that was hard to do. Um, but when you bring in a guy like Kawad and he's able to uh, come in right away and, and, and bring them, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle of the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the biggest trophies that you ever receive in the game of basketball, I mean, that's what it's all about. So uh, I think the fans forgave him for that and, and, and kind of allowed, you know, that to take place and the process to take place. Uh, but just to see it come to a full, uh, full uh, fruition, I mean, it, it was remarkable. It really was. Yeah, and when you, when you think about Toronto Raptors basketball, a lot of folks will go straight to, you know, you, and you mentioned it, there's the Vince Carters, there's the Kawhi Leonard's. When I think about Charlotte Hornets basketball, you know, I think about you, mm -hmm. I think about Larry Johnson and Lonzo Mourning and Del Curry and – there, there's a great point in this in your book where where Del Curry references a game where uh, I think it was you were down by one or something like that. The coach drew up a play, and right after you left the huddle, you know Del mentions that you changed the play. He made a slight alteration to it, and he ends up hitting this game winner. Is that something that that you would often do as like the the, the floor general? Would would you? call these audibles on the go quite often or was that like a one-off no i mean it, it happened before but it, i don't do it very often i would never go against my coach <laughs> because I, I i really believe that they have you know our best interests but as a point guard you feel like you have your pulse on the game and on certain situations and, and i know a game that game you talk about we was playing golden state warriors mm -hmm. and when he when he drew up the play i wasn't really feeling it and, uh, but i <laughs> You know, so and Dell looked at him. He understood it as well. So we communicated, you know, what I wanted him to do. And fortunate enough for us, it worked out. And he was able to hit the game winning shot. 
Uh, but that's, you know, that just trust within the, the teammates. And I'm quite sure my coach trusted me in terms of seeing something that I felt like was going to help us be successful. And uh, even if it would have kind of not went the way we envisioned, I think he probably still wouldn't have been too upset because he trusts me in all regards. He trusted me, I should say. You, you, might, you may have uh, followed, you know, your coach's lead, but I still think you had such an idiosyncratic play style, which, again, you said nobody was, was playing like you before you came into the league. Um, do you think in 2022 there is space for, like, you know, the next coming of Muggsy Bogues? And if so, is he already here? What would that look like? What would you look like in today's league? Oh, man, that's hard to see. Uh, for me, the game is – I don't want to say – well, it's not as physical as it was back when we played. Mm-hmm. Um, so the lane, <laughs> yeah. the, the lane is wide open. Nobody could hand check you. Um, so I feel like, and we got a lot of good shooters around. Um, I felt like I'd have been very successful in this era. But I think any NBA player feel like they could play in any era. That's just the confidence <laughs> they have within themselves. Um, one of the main reasons why they made it to the highest pinnacle of the of the league of basketball, which is the NBA. Uh, but for me, I feel like. Man, I can have some really good numbers during this era. You'd be going off 50 a night, I think. Uh, I don't know about uh, 50 a night, but I I'm, I might have about 40 assists in one game. I know that. There you go. <laughs> you break that Stockton record. There you go. <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't ask you a couple questions here about about Space Jam. You know, it's you have a chapter of it in your book, and you know we, we have the 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 sequel that came out just last year. Um, there was one part in your book actually I, I want to probe a little bit on, and, and that was um, you you make reference of a point in the book where you actually had a knee injury, and and there was the possibility you may not have even been in the movie and. You know, as an aside, I cannot picture this movie without you in it. But but what was that like, you know, having to tape while injured? Like, what was that experience like? Oh, I mean, it was unique for me. Um, I was just in awe that they was willing to just try to find a way, if possible, that, you know, I could be part of it. Uh, when I went on set, I, like I said, I just had had surgery on my knee and I barely could walk. And some of the scenes... Cr- you know, had create, had opportunities where you had to walk, uh, especially the one in the hospital scene where they had me sitting on a dolly and they was actually just pulling me and I was moving my shoulders. I don't know if I should be giving out all the the behind-the-scenes sequels, but they... they <laughs> it's it was a teaser, it's a teaser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was, it was fun how they were able to do that. And then when I went to go touch the ball, you can see me did take many steps um, because of my knee, uh, but we made it work, and I'm just so thankful that I was able to be part of such an iconic movie. You know, in the same way that the Space Jam franchise has, you know, this uh, undeniable nostalgia, hence why I feel like they made the second one with LeBron James. Um, I feel like there's, again, you know, I just want to go back to what you mean to the city of Toronto. And, you know, there's a couple of players like yourself, Junkyard Dog, a couple of players whose uh, time with the Raptors were, was brief. But you're like a part of the family and, uh, you know, it's this huge warmth. And I don't know if it's because it was a newer franchise or if it's the city of Toronto. Uh, what is it like about this city, 
you know, this team, these fans that allow such a love. And, you know, do, do you still feel it to this day? Oh, absolutely. I feel all the warmth every time I, I, I come to Toronto. I mean, there's been open arms the minute that I arrived. And I, I truly appreciate the hospitality that they always show me when I'm there. Um, it, it, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm totally appreciated. And I never take it for granted that folks have, you know, been very supportive of the time that I've been there. And, you know, they, they love hard workers. They love guys who compete hard and, and lay it on the line and, um, and, and go about their business very professionally and, 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 and try to be the best version they can be. You know, when people see that, you know, they kind of appreciate it and, and they give you roses. You know, I'm so thankful, you know, why you're here. So that's how I look at it in terms of, you know, just interacting with the individuals and the people that I come in contact with that where it's meant to be is, is God's plan. Yeah, and, and I, love, I love the fact that you said that, that the city embraces hard workers because that's so true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, outside of, of the ACC, now Scotiabank Arena, there is a uh, a Leafs Toronto Maple Leafs uh, Legends Row. Uh, it basically has a few of the, the the greatest Maple Leafs to ever don the jersey outside of the arena in a statue form. Um, at some point soon, we feel like there should be a Raptors Legends Row mm. uh, of all the greatest Raptors that have come across our our city. And if and when that happens, you know who do you think should be a part of that, you know, outside of yourself, of course. No, oh no, well, no. I mean, <laughs> for one, they gotta have a they gotta have a Damon Stoudemire. Yeah. Uh, Damon was the one that Damon was the one that started it. You know, he really mm-hmm. was the key to that. Um, and then, of course, Vince Carter. Uh, Vince is definitely um, one should be up there uh, because without Vince, it wouldn't be as many NBA players from Canada in the league. I mean, that's how much impact so that true. he had on the youth, the community, the country within itself. Um, and it really, you know, he, he put that on the, put him on the map. Uh, of course, T-Mac um, be part of it. You got Kyle Lowry. You got DeRozan. Mm-hmm. You should have. Uh, so right now, I only have about five, about six guys. That's a solid five. Yeah. That's a solid five, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you can't really deny any of those, really. I mean, they all have had an, an indelible mark on on this on this franchise. There was one question I wanted to ask you earlier, and I, I feel like it it kind of relates to the names that you you had just listed here. You know, in, in your book, you've got I feel like every player you've come across has a nickname. <laughs> you know, we've got Gate and Truck and Stro and Snook, like. Is there is there I don't know a favorite of of the ones that you've come across? Uh, I, I know you yourself have a couple of nicknames that are also mentioned, but is there a favorite nickname that you've either given a teammate or that's that's been given to you or that you've heard from another teammate? No, nah, that just comes with the territory, you know, in terms of growing up and the things that you kind of remind someone of. You know, that's how it all starts, and you know the guys that the people that you just mentioned. You know, those are my relatives, my brother, my friends, you know, all the, you know, people that kind of, you know, have a, a main spot on my heart. I mean, but that's just the way we grew up. Everybody had a nickname. Even to the day in the, in the NBA, everybody got a nickname. There's no one favorite. I don't have a favorite nickname that's out there. That, 
you know, because we had so many guys, a Jimmy Golf, a Filthy. I mean, we got so many guys. But uh, you know, it's 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 nice to be blessed with with a good nickname at least. So you know, it's like whatever <laughs> whatever sticks. And uh, you know, to this day, you're known as Muggsy, which is fantastic. You know, it could have been could have been Apple. It could it could have been Apple. It could have been right? Apple. Yeah. It could have been it Apple, been and then you would have to worry about about a lawsuit from Steve Jobs and whatnot. So at least it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh to to go backwards a little bit. There's a uh, not not really a nickname, but uh you know there's like a pop culture uh you know something recognizable, especially since we were talking about Space Jam the, the Monsters. So um you know you were part of the Monsters team, or or your your talents were in the in the, the 1996 team you know there was bogues ewing uh there's charles barkley bradley etc etc 2021 you have lillard clay anthony davis tarazi and okamike yep yeah. which of those teams do you think and i feel like i know what the answer is going to be if the monsters went head to head which team would win would it be the 96 team or the 2021 team uh, you know the answer to that question. I don't even know why you asked it. <laughs> why you asked it. I mean, because I, I, I needed to hear it come from you. <laughs> oh, of course. I'm going to pick the 96 team. I mean, that's the Monsters. You know, we saved the planet. That's the original. Yeah. You, you, you've got, you got some, some Hall of Famers on there. It's, it, it's got to be 96. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, I'll take that squad any day. Hey Raptor fans, Jason here. We had a bit of audio issue at the end that cut off the last few minutes, but I wanted to say thanks again to Muggsy and his team for joining us on the That's A Rap podcast. Make sure to check out his book, Muggsy, My Life From A Kid In The Projects To The Godfather Of Small Ball, which will release on April 12th. Thanks again for listening and until next time, that's a wrap.